Uh, I don't think I've ever had an entrance like that before. You know, like a sermon segue. That was great. Thanks, girls, uh, for playing. That was fantastic. Uh, my name's Colton. I'm the youth ministries pastor here at SunWest, and I get to speak to you guys today. So that's going to be great. Um, those who are in junior high, grade six to eight, if you want to go to conversations, if you haven't left already, feel free to, to head over that way. I'll be sharing this message next week, so you're not missing out, okay? Um, anyways, Christmas. We're in the Christmas season, doing the Christmas sermon, which I'm, you know, I'm excited about. There's some things in Christmas that I, like, they're always, help me remember what Christmas, you know, maybe not this all about, but there's always traditions in Christmas. And one of them for my family was uh, the Christmas cards. Anybody send out Christmas cards as a family? Or your family would send out Christmas cards? You know, mine would do this every single year. And in a small town, I don't know if it's as big of a deal as it is in the city, but in a small town, uh, this, is a big, this is a big deal. You know, before there was like Facebook and stuff like that, you would figure out, you know what, whose friends do I have in common by going to that person's house, going straight to their fridge, looking at the fridge, and you could just compare. Oh, yeah, I got that card, that one. I don't have, the, I thought we were friends, but I don't have that card. You know, and you're like, you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. That's how people's feelings always got hurt. Uh, so in the small town, what we would do my mom, we first like sent it out to like a couple of friends, family, some close people. By the end, it was like you didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings, so you would send the card out to everybody. Okay, so like all hundreds of people in the town would have it. Our church, they don't have it here, but our church would have like the mail slots uh, that you'd go. So ev- like the morning before Christmas, everybody's was just jam-packed, filled with Christmas cards because, of course, Christians don't want to hurt each other. So everybody gives each other cards. It was this thing. But it wasn't just a card. There's a picture on the card as well. Anybody do those? You go to Costco, Walmart, you print out those pictures that say like season's greetings. Any families do that? Couple? Okay, my family did that and still does every single year. Uh, but it started off, at first it wasn't even like that great of a, that great of a picture. It's like, hey, we're just going to, like, hey, we're, as a family, there's one family picture that happened that year that was great, put it on the card. But people started to up their game. You know, people started to bring in photographers for this and started to become a bigger deal, so my family started to take it more serious. Uh, and I remember one Sunday after church, the first year that we were, like, taking this, this is a big deal for these Christmas pictures. So we went outside to take these pictures, and we all dressed up nice. Um, but it's beautiful outside, fresh snow, but it was, we live in Saskatchewan. It was just as cold as it is out there all winter long. So it was, like, freezing out there, and my dad was like, the only way I'm going to take a picture outside is if I get to wear my gloves. And my mom was like, and this, again, mom's going to maybe listen to this later. Uh, nothing wrong. Like, mom, love you. This is great. Uh, <laughs> but she was like, don't wear those gloves. Because my dad's gloves, he's like a, like he likes to work with his hands. So his gloves, he never has nice looking gloves. They're like these big yellow leather gloves. Uh, and my mom was like, you can't wear these gloves in the picture. And he's like, well, that's the only way I'm going outside to take the photo because my hands are going to get cold. So I need my gloves. So they're like, okay, but you have to hide the gloves in this picture. So he's like, okay. So challenge accepted. So he takes the first one and he like puts it behind his back, covered. Good idea. And my mom was beside him and he like puts his hand behind my mom, gloves covered. Great. So we go get the pictures printed with all the, the Merry Christmas, the couple hundred that we're going to send to realize that his hand is like reaching around my mom. And you can see, you can see like this yellow glove just on the side. So the glove made the picture. 
Uh, and that would just like, because everybody else was dressed in black, so that like drew your attention straight to the glove. <laughs> Uh, another one of these years with these, these pictures that we sent on these cards, it was in the middle of, we didn't take a Christmas photo, but until the middle or the end of November. But when you live in a dorm with a bunch of guys, the end of November or no, the month of November means, anybody have any idea? No shave November. Okay, and I grew, uh, this is like November like 25th, like it was right at the end. So I had like this facial hair, we're bonding as a group of guys, and I get there for the pictures, and my mom's like, you have to shave. And we're at, like, this dilemma. I was like, no. I can't. Like, I can't not. Like, this is, like, my buddies. I, if I shave, then, like, I'm less of a man. I can't shave. So, but then we got in an argument, and we, anyways, compromised, I trimmed, okay? So I, like, trimmed the neck. I don't know if you've seen, like, ever seen me try to grow facial hair. It's gross. Uh, it doesn't happen. doesn't work as much as I want to have a full beard. Uh, it doesn't happen. But so I like trimmed the neck and had like this like this <laughs> this like strap to the goatee, which is patchy and gross, but I had it. So again, like we had this awkward family Christmas photo because I had this gross facial hair. And this year's, okay? So that was last year's. So this year's photo. And I was gonna get like one on screen, but I brought a copy of the picture. But uh, since Angel and I we don't live in Saskatchewan, so we don't have that many opportunities to go take a family photo. So what we did instead is um, like this summer, we went to our favorite, we were at the lake, we went to one of our favorite restaurants, the whole family was there, the food was good, so we were all smiling anyways, so we might as well take a photo, but nobody was there to take a photo, so I was like, I got this. You know, so I grabbed my phone and I like snapped a selfie of our family, got everybody in there. But with like 10 people, it's hard, or I don't know how many people are family, I should count, something like 10. Okay, so, but when you're trying to get that many people in a photo, you've gotta make compromises, okay? So I don't know. I'm gonna like hold it up. Maybe you can zoom in on the picture. Okay. You see my face? Okay, this one is me, and that is half a face. Okay? So I made half the Christmas photo this year, uh, which is okay. Like, it's a, great Christmas, it's a great Christmas photo, but I had no idea. I totally forgot that only half my face is in there until my mom sent the card, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, so it's like this awkward, everybody else looks great, and then I'm just like, like, everybody else is back in the, in the back, too. I'm just, like, right in the front, half my face. Uh, anyways, so these, like, Christmas photos, these Christmas cards, they would always end up, even if we tried, because obviously you want to present the best, like, part of your family to other people when you give these cards, but for some reason, myself and my dad that one year with the gloves, we made it a little bit, like, awkward. We made it weird. It didn't work out the way that it was intended to be. Sometimes I think, what would Jesus' family Christmas card look like? And uh, we talked last week a little bit about the genealogy of Jesus and his extended family and we realized, okay, yeah, his uh, extended family Christmas card is a little bit weird. There's some interesting stories in there. There's, there's messiness, there's brokenness, but yet God worked through that. And we're like, so what does in, like his in immediate family look like? And we have Mary and we have Joseph. And we'll be sharing more about Joseph next week. But this week we're going to focus on Mary. But I think we, if we had just Mary and Joseph in this Christmas card, right, we'd have Joseph, this guy who has this pregnant wife. right? So we have Joseph who's maybe he's like confused and a little bit nervous and scared. This is the first kid. Maybe he's in this photo. And then we have Mary, right, who's a teenager, who's like 16 and pregnant in this photo. If we put that in our, in our lens today, we're like, that's, little, like, that's a little bit awkward. 
right? the, the situation, the more that we dig into it today, the more we'll realize that this isn't the most ideal situation that's going on here. Maybe it wouldn't have made the best Christmas card. So she's like 16 and pregnant. And that's the title of the sermon. And like, it's funny how even when I share this story to, to youth, like as a youth pastor, I share this story to youth, and I'm like, so how old are you guys? And they're like, oh, yeah, like 14, 15, 16. I'm like, do you know Mary was your age when she got pregnant? And people are like, no, no way, right? Like, I can't even clean my room. How am I supposed to, like, how would she even, just doesn't make sense. And we instantly put, like, our culture into the text, Right, we read the story and we get this idea she's a teen mom, 16 and pregnant. And we're like, whoa, that's crazy. And I don't know, well, for you guys, how many of you guys watched the show, like 16 and pregnant on uh, MTV? Okay, I, okay I, I can give you the same answer that I give everybody when I say that, uh, like, why do you know so much information about the OC or One Tree Hill or the Gilmore Girls? Anybody Gilmore Girls fans here? Yeah, I can say the same answer that I give everybody. I had sisters, I had to watch them. Um, but in reality, there's just something about the, the teen drama that just draws me in. So I'll admit it. Uh, any other guys here? Yeah, not like one, there's one? Okay, well, me and you, we're together. Luke, it's all good. Um, but this TV show of 16 and Pregnant, it follows the life of a teen mom. Right, somebody who's in high school, who's having a kid, they're trying to figure out what this means for the first time, they're trying to figure out, like, how can I raise a kid and do my homework? Like, how can I fit into my prom dress while I'm pregnant? Like, there's all huge dilemmas. Uh, like, all these kind of things. And, like, it just follows the life, their story, uh, the family story, and it follows the life of the guy. And, I mean, usually, unfortunately, the guy doesn't stick around very long in these stories. But there's something about, you know what, that, that 16 and pregnant, that there's, like, this teen drama that drew people into the story enough to at least make a TV show out of it. There's something about it that at least got a TV show out of it. And I know like we think about it, and we'll, we'll be getting more into the details about Mary and her family eventually, but the, uh, like the 16 and pregnant wasn't the controversial part for her. But there still was something controversial enough that is a story that is shared again and again that I think would make a really good episode on TV. Enough of that drama, enough of that like 16 and pregnant like TV showness to suck you in, to make you curious about what's gonna happen, what's gonna happen next. So we're jumping into Mary's story. It's found in Luke chapter one, verse 26. So I wanna encourage you, if you have your Bibles, take them out. Sometimes it's important to read. We also have Bibles coming down the the hallway with some ushers. If you don't have a Bible, put your hand up, grab one. And if you're somebody you come to church maybe for the first time or you just never owned a Bible or you lost yours this week uh, and you're like, hey, I actually need a Bible, put your hand up and you can just take it home with you. It's uh, our gift to you. I think it's important for us to, to read in. And there's something important about reading along with the passage. That it sparks our memory, that it helps us remember it a little bit better. So I want to encourage you to follow along a little bit uh, a little bit in the story, so Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 26. And this is a story that I've heard so many times. I grew up in the church, went to Christmas Eve services, uh, read the Christmas story every single time before we had to open gifts, uh, so we wanted to like, get through it. But uh, you, you hear the story enough that you sometimes forget the significance in it. 
So as we read, I just want to encourage you guys, like, read it with, with, fresh, with freshness, with new lenses, okay? So let's jump right in to this story. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26, it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. If you don't have your Bibles, I think it's also in your bulletins in the words to live by. Uh, if you want to follow along that way. So something that, that caught my attention, it was that she was confused, that she was disturbed, and that she was afraid. Mary. I mean, who wouldn't be afraid? Right? If an angel right now just popped up in the middle of nowhere, I'd be pretty freaked out. You know, that's something that I would be afraid of. I'd be like confused, like, what, what are you doing here? Right? Like you're asking these questions that you would be afraid. I imagine that being part of it. That Mary was afraid of this angel that he just showed up, surprised her. I think that has part to do with her being afraid, but I don't know if you caught this. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. I don't know if you caught this, but it says immediately in verse 29. If you look at that again, it says immediately after the angel said greetings... And Mary, she's trying to figure this out. She says, it says that she was trying to figure out what the angel was saying. Right? She's confused and disturbed, trying to figure out what the angel was saying. And I'm like, it seems pretty simple to me. Right? Greetings, like favored one. Like the Lord is with you. Like what's there to really read into that? It's like somebody coming up to me. And uh, maybe you greet, like you're greeting people as you're walking in here. And somebody says, hello. You don't have to say, hey, what are you saying? What do you mean? Like, it's something that you understand, right? It's a greeting. Like, what's there to read into it? So I'm like, what is she trying to read into? Until you actually look at what the verse is saying, right? In the the original context and language, what it's saying is something a little bit more like this. It's more like a greetings graced one. The Lord's grace be on you. Greetings graced one. So what is, what is grace? Grace is something that we can't achieve. On, it's getting something that we can't achieve on our own. Right? It's like, this, it's like this gift. It's something that we can't achieve on our own. Right? Mary, right? I'm coming to you, the graced one. And I, and I see this conversation happening a little bit like this. And this is maybe why she's trying to figure out what he's saying. Um, for anybody, maybe you've got like... You're at work, you've got a boss, your boss comes into your office, and at first you're like, hey, my boss doesn't usually come into my office, I usually have to go to his or her office. And you're trying to, you're trying to figure it out, and they're starting to do a small talk, be like, oh, how's the family, how's things going? In the back of your mind, you understand what they're saying. Yeah, it's a greeting, that's great. But you realize there's something more to it, right? They're probably going to ask me to do something, right? Like, this is how I felt when uh, Pastor Matt came into my office. Hey, so it's uh, the Christmas season, and uh, I've been preaching lots, and, I, and I'm like, okay, where are you going with this? And he's like, do you mind preaching? Right? Like, I'm reading into this just greeting, or like a kid, 
right? You want something from your parents. This is what I would do. You're sitting around the, the dinner table, and I'm like, oh, mom, that, that lasagna was unbelievable. Wow, is this a new recipe? Like, and by the way, like, did you do something with your hair? Like, you're looking really good. Uh, can, I, can I get 20 bucks to go to the movies? Right? Like, it's like you, like, you butter them up. This is kind of, I think, what's happening with Mary here, right? The graced one. She's like, okay, yeah, where are you going with this? Right? Like, what's going to happen next? It's more than just a greeting. He's calling her to something. God's calling her to something. So if we read on on verse, starting again in verse 31, it says, You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus, and he will be very great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. So, Mary, like she was afraid, like this is, this is pretty crazy, she was afraid after this conversation, freaked out trying to figure out what the Lord was going to say to her, and she was already like confused, disturbed, and afraid, and the Lord had said nothing about his plan yet. Right? And now he goes and lays this plan that's just going to throw this whole twist in her life. So she was already like trying to figure out what was going on before she even heard about this whole pregnancy thing, right? And the Lord says that he will give birth to her a son, son of the Most High. And right here you might think, okay, yeah, he's, like, she's going to have a kid. In the same way that Israel is called like God's children, yeah, okay, yeah, I can give birth to, a, like, to one of God's children. But really what God is saying here, what the angel is saying to Mary is, no, you're going to have my son. Not just the generic sense of the child of Israel or God's children. You're going to have a child that's going to be of God's own flesh and blood. Right? That this is going to be God's child. Not just the child of man that's part of God's kingdom. There's something more that's going on here. It says, and you are to name him Jesus. You are to name him Jesus. So not a family name. Not the name of, you know, Mary's, like, dad or grandparents or ancestors or even Joseph's for that fact. So it's, it's a new name, Jesus. And that name means Savior. Savior, Rescuer, right? He's going to be the Savior. And how does he do that? What is God's plan with Jesus that, yeah, he's going to be the Savior, but how is he going to bring that salvation? And the answer is through grace. He's going to bring it through grace. And this is what I found so beautiful in the story as I was doing some studying. It is through the graced woman, Mary, the graced one, that God brings grace to everyone. Right? It is through the graced one that God brings grace to everybody. I was like, wow. That is a pretty significant and beautiful thing. It says that he will be on the throne of David. And it talks about David, David twice, and there's significance in that. Because the Old Testament prophecies always speak of this king coming from, or this new king, this Messiah coming from the line of David. Uh, and we maybe learned that in the genealogy of Jesus last week. But that is, he, he's going to be the king that's going to reign over all of Israel Forever. That's what his kingdom's about. So as Mary gets this calling, yes, this calling is for this one person. 
This one graced one gets this calling, but she realizes that it's not just about her. As soon as they speak about this kingdom language, it's not just individual, it is now communal. So Mary realized this is not just something that's going to affect me for the rest of my life. This is something that's going to affect my whole, like the whole kingdom. And that it's never going to end. Mary is now realizing that she is part of something that is much bigger than herself. Right? That this kingdom that is going to expand through Jesus, the Savior, who brings grace. She's part of something much bigger. Then, in verse 34, Mary asks a pretty important question. Mary asks the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. Right? That seems, that seems pretty important. Uh, sometimes we forget, at least I forget, that Mary never heard the Christmas story. Like, I hear it and I'm like, okay, yep, yeah, makes sense, the virgin birth. Okay, that's all good. I'm good with it. But you don't actually think about how crazy that is. This is the first time that she's hearing it. She's never heard this before. This is the first time she's getting this information. So she's got to ask this question, right? She's never like, known a man physically, right? She's never been with a man, or she's, like, she's, never, she's, like, she's never had sex. I'll just say it. She's never had sex. How can it happen? I don't know if you guys have been, or how long it's been since you've been in health class, but I can remember that was a pretty important part of the process of having kids, and that wasn't there, right? She's confused. How is this even supposed to happen? And I'm like, that is a very, that is a very valid, very, very valid question. And we might think, okay, she's so, she's so young, and what, is, what does this usually look like? Like, when do people usually have kids? Like, how do we know that Mary was somebody who was, who was young? And the way that it worked, we just know culturally. We don't have, like, a specific age or birthday of Mary, but we know how it works culturally. And culturally, when you hit puberty and your body is ready to have kids, that's when you have kids. That's what was as simple as that. That's, uh, that's just the way that it worked. When you were ready to have kids, you'd have to grow up and be mature enough to raise a family. So, I mean, we can make some assumptions about the age in which she might have been when she uh, hit puberty around 13, 14, 15. You know, she was somewhere, she was somewhere around that age. When she, when she would have had Jesus or when she would have been pregnant. And again, we think of this idea, whoa, she's 16 and pregnant. Or younger, that's even worse. Like, oh, she needs to get her own TV show. Um, and we, we put, this, put this idea out there that is just so scandalous that she was so young and having a kid. But we don't actually understand. Like, the culture, culturally, she wasn't the only one. Right? That's what was the cultural norm. So it wasn't that scandalous. But I don't think that makes her story like any, any less, any less uh, scandalous. Like what was happening here is she would have had a kid out of wedlock. Right before she was married. And right away she goes to Joseph, and you know what he would be thinking because he didn't get that story that she must have been with another man. Right? And that would mean that, well, he's just going to make sure and uh, to leave her quietly. But what it would basically mean is now that she had a kid without having a husband, that makes her unmarriable to anybody else. Right? That would ruin, that would ruin her, her reputation. Right? She would have been the talk of the town that people would have seen her walk by, pregnant with no man, and being like, oh, there's Mary. Right? That person who screwed up, the person who, 
who sin because we sometimes forget that God didn't give every single person their own individual like revelation that Mary was bringing the Messiah. Right? So what would have other, other people been thinking? God didn't go to every single person individually, so people would have just thrown, again, their culture into what was going on here. So when we read, when we read on, we, we hear that Mary eventually, Mary eventually says yes to this plan of God, of God's plan, even though it was risking her reputation. But she knew that the kingdom of God wasn't just for her own comfort, but to extend grace to all God's people. If we keep reading on in verse 35, after this very good question that Mary had, the angel replied, the, Lord, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. I like this verse here in verse 37. So it says, for nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Okay, what a mature response to that. So what's the angel telling her in this, in this section? The angel is telling her, hey, you have your, your relative, Elizabeth, right, who is going through something similar, right? Completely different sides of the spectrum, right? You have this, somebody who is maybe like 16 or younger and pregnant, and you have this person who is considered barren in her old age and couldn't have any kids, but yet God was birthing something new in that. And I don't know if, we, if you guys are familiar with the story of Elizabeth, but we'll learn, we learn more about her even just before this chapter and we learn about it after. But she was the mom of somebody pretty important in the Bible. She was the mom of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, like he was somebody who was there to prepare the way for the Messiah. Right? He got people's hearts their minds, right? Their, yeah, their souls ready to hear what God, what Jesus was going to say, right? He got them in this mindset of repentance, that when Jesus came, he laid the foundations for him to do his ministry. He had a pretty important role and a pretty important job, and Elizabeth plays a very important role in that as well. But at the end, the last thing that this, this passage says that just struck me when I read it, was after Mary's, here's the plan, she says yes to the plan. And as soon as she says yes, it says, then the angel left her. Like, I'm just trying to put myself in Mary's, in Mary's shoes, where it's like you hear all this information, this angel tells you, then he leaves. I can just imagine what Mary's doing. He, she's probably like, no, 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 come back, come back, come back. Like, I have so many more questions. I don't want to be left alone. Like, I need somebody to walk through this, with me, please stay. If I was in her situation, that's what I would have been saying. Right? Like, God was doing something that impossible, that crazy through me, that I'd be like, no, I need all the help I can get. Angel, please, please stay. 
And we hear the passage where it talks about the Holy Spirit will come through, even through Jesus, and be in the situation to comfort and guide. But what I love about this passage is that God gives Mary Elizabeth. Somebody who's going through not the same thing, but something similar enough for her to under for her to understand. I can ensure that Mary would go up to her and she'd say, hey, God has, has given me this child, and I know it sounds crazy, and I know Elizabeth would probably be like, no, no, I understand. And he's doing something pretty crazy through me too. I get it. And Mary was somebody who, or Elizabeth was somebody who was older, right? like a mentor, somebody that could walk this through with her. So even in this time that Mary would have felt alone and abandoned, that God actually supplied people there for Mary the whole time. So I've got a few things that I want to point out that we can learn from Mary's response here. Um, so I mean, if the, I know the dance team is going to come up after again. So these are just some concluding points if you guys want to get ready. Um, but there's, there's some things that I think we can understand, and I want to put it into four points for you guys. Okay? The first one is that Mary says yes. She is willing in her young age to follow God's plan. Mary is willing to say yes. And I'm like, why is Mary held in such high regard in Catholicism, in Christianity? Why is she held like in such high regard? And I think it's that she just said yes. Right? That it's her obedience to God, to doing what God wants her to do. Like, I'm sure God, if he really wanted to, he could have just said, okay, Mary, you're having my kid done, and then leave, and it would happen, right? That God didn't necessarily, God didn't necessarily have to work through Mary, or at least ask her opinion, and allow her to ask some questions, but he does, and she says yes, so I'm like, what is so special about Mary? Was she, she so special beforehand? Is that why God picked her? Until you actually read this where it says, no, 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 she's the graced one. There's nothing that she did that made her deserve this, this privilege of raising God's child. No, it was God's grace that made it allowed to happen. She didn't do anything on her own to be able to achieve that status. It was God's grace that he approached her. And I'm sure in God's, in God's grace that if she were to say, hey, no, I'm too young, I can't, I don't think I can do this, this is a big task, I'm sure God would be like, he'd be, under, he'd be understanding. But yet, in all this, she says yes. And I think what God wanted the whole time, he wanted Mary to align her will with the will of God. God wanted Mary just to align her will with the will of God. If we look at, if we look at Scripture, if you want to read on in your Bibles, read through the Old Testament, the New Testament, you read it. The whole Bible is a story of how God works and how God partners through his people who are willing. That's the whole, that's the whole story of Scripture, and it's a beautiful, beautiful story. So I know that, that Mary says yes to something that is a huge task, that seems impossible, but I don't think that that, that calling for her heart to be aligned was just a one-time incident in the Bible. Again, if we read on, we see it all over the place. And I don't think it ended there, but I think it continues with us. That God wants us to align our hearts with his will. 
and say yes to what he's doing. So first thing we can learn, what are some things that we have to say yes to? Like Mary said yes to God. The next thing I think we can learn from Mary is she recognizes that God's plan for the kingdom is much more important than her own reputation. Right, even though that being a teen mom wasn't as controversial or as entertaining enough as it would be to have a TV show like it is today, but there is something about her story that was controversial. That she was risking her reputation, that she was risking her life, that she'd have been considered maybe she's the talk of the town and people would have been talking about her. Right, like she risked this reputation for God, but at her young age, she said yes. I'm sure people could have been walking at the, down the street and they could have been pointing at her. Um, but she, was re- she recognized that she was, even though she was young, she was old enough to do what God wanted her to do. I know when I was younger, maybe like a, a teenager, I remember the conversation that I had with my parents when I was 15 and I wanted my own cell phone. I said, Mom, I want, I want a cell phone. And they're like, okay, yeah, yeah, you can get a cell phone. I'm like, sweet, but you have to get a job. You have to work. You have to pay for it all. We're not going to pay for anything of it. And I was like, but I'm only 15, right? I'm 15. I'm a kid. I can't pay for this. And then the next day I would go up after I said, hey, mom, your food is delicious uh, and that you look great. And I was like, I want to go to a movie, but the movie is a midnight showing. And they're like, but your curfew is is 11 o'clock. And then I would answer the same thing, but I'm 15, right? Like I'm an adult. Let me go. Right, like you have the same response. And I'm just struck by Mary's response in her maturity just to say yes, that I will take this on. And this is one of my things that I just love being a youth pastor and working with youth because the, the world around them sees that first answer. Right, I'm only 15, I'm just a kid. But when youth are able to, to align their will with God's and do his work, you are what, like his greatest weapon because nobody sees you coming. Right, you're a God's secret weapon because nobody sees you coming. And that's just not a youth calling. I, I mean, I'm just a youth pastor, so there's this passion and excitement for youth, but that's for all of us, right? Like, are we willing to say yes to God even if that hurts our reputation? Like, there's times where I'm just like, I don't want to invite my neighbors or tell my neighbors about Jesus and give them this whole story because I'm afraid of this, afraid of this um, rejection or this reputation or I don't want to invite my coworkers to the Christmas Eve service because I'm afraid of what they're going to say, right? There's these things that can just go up in our minds and we're just afraid to wreck our reputation. But we can just learn from Mary that she just said yes, even though she knew the risks. Another thing we can learn from Mary is times where she felt alone, God supplied community for her. I don't know if you guys, I was listening to a sermon as I was prepping for this, and it, something stood out to me about Christi- like the word Christian. Now, that wasn't the original word used for those who believed in Jesus. The original word was like, a, you are a disciple, or you are like the follower of the way. Or you're the follower of the way, but this word Christian came in later, but it was actually introduced by Roman uh, officials and Romans who were like, hey, look at those Christians. 
right? It was like this negative connotations around it. Look at those Christians, right? It's almost like the same as saying, look at those, those Jesus freaks. Because sometimes when we do stuff for God that we look different than the world around us, don't we? Mary would have looked different than the world around her when she was doing this thing for, for God. But the beautiful thing is she looked different. Maybe the rest of the world didn't accept her. But what God did is he supplied Elizabeth for her community. When the angel left, he supplied her, Elizabeth, for her community. And we hear the Bible and the Gospels, and the Gospels ends with, with Jesus, at least his physical being here on earth, left. And I'm sure the church was like, no, 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 come back, come back. We have so much more we have to learn from you. But he sent his spirit, but at the same time, he also has his church here on earth to do his work, to do his will, that we are Jesus freaks together, right? In the times that the world doesn't understand that we might look strange to the outside opinion, but then we come here and it's like, hey, I heard God say this thing to me. And if you say that to somebody outside the church, sometimes people just don't accept it. But here it's like, oh yeah, no, I totally understand. I understand where you're coming. I get it. And as a church, the beautiful thing, Mary, she's young. Elizabeth, she's, old, like she's older. Same with the church. There's people who are all different ages, all different stages of life, but we are here to walk this journey of bringing God's kingdom here together. Right? It says he wants his kingdom, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How is his will being done on earth? It's through us. It's through the church with that same call together. And the last thing I think we can learn from, from Mary, so this fourth point, she made room for God to work in her life. As I was uh, preparing for this sermon, I was listening to, to another sermon by a guy named Bruxy Cavey, and he says this, something similar to this. He says, right under her heart, so right under the heart of Mary, she made room for another heart to start beating. Wow, that is, that is so profound. There's something to that. She made room. Yeah, she made physical room in her life for God to work. But what room are we making? Might not be the same, but we hear these things about Christmas that is the most wonderful time of the year. But I think it also could be said Christmas is the busiest time of the year. Right? There's all these Christmas parties, these decorations, this shopping, uh, family outings, family photos that you have to take. Uh, for the Christmas cards, right? There's like all these things that can get you so busy that you actually just forget to make room for God to work. So what, do we, what areas in our lives do we have to make room for God to birth something new through us? Right? Mary made room and God birthed something new. Elizabeth. She made room for something new. And I think that story is not just for those two, but it's for us too. So what's happening in your life? Where do you have to make room for God to birth something new? Right, so those four things I think we can learn from, from Mary. Are we willing to say yes? Are we willing to say to align our wills with the will of God? And when we do, when we say yes, sometimes that hurts. That hurts our reputation a little bit. But that's okay. We can come back to a community like this that can encourage us, uplift us, support us, give the grace that's, 
that's needed that can be extended to us. And with all of that support of the church, it gives us strength to be able to say, yeah, I need to make room for God to birth something new in me. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you uh, just for this, this season and for this story, that we've heard this story multiple times and again and again and again, and sometimes we forget uh, just the importance in it, and we forget um, all that Mary went through uh, to expand your kingdom here. So God, all these things that we can learn from Mary, I pray that our hearts in this, in this season, in this busy season, in this Christmas season, that our hearts will be aligned with yours, that our will be aligned with yours, that we don't care what other people think of us, but we just know what you have in store for us and that we want to live it out, that we can live it out in the strength of this community. So I want to thank you for this church family, for this community, where it is a place where we can be uplifted and encouraged. It's a place where we are actually part of bringing God's kingdom here on earth right now. So God, be with us in that, because that's no easy task. And in it, in it all, I just want to pray, God, reveal to us in our hearts, like in our minds, in our lives, what, is, what do we need to make room for? And what areas in our life do we need to stop? Maybe some things that are really good that we have to say no to to make room for you to work, to birth something new. But God, uh, we just believe truly with you that you can and that you will birth something new through us as the church, as Sun West in Calgary, that we can birth something new. Pray these things in your name. Amen.